Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to the Bootleg Football Podcast, part two of our post-combine recap. This time going over all of the really exciting performances we saw on the defensive side. Uh, A lot of really intriguing uh, edge rushers, tons of super athletic defensive tackles, linebackers, I mean, corners, safeties. There's there's so much talent in this class. Uh, Really excited to talk about all these defensive guys. But as always, first things first, EJ. How you doing? And what are you drinking? I am great. I'm excited to talk about the defense. There were a lot of guys showed out. Um, didn't get to see some guys run. Got to see some other guys run much better than we thought they would. So that's always a fun part of the combine. And to celebrate, I am switching to beer for this one. I'm going to drink a Deschutes Brewing uh, Limited Release, which is their Red Chair Northwest Pale Ale. So for those of you not familiar with the shoots, it is out of Bend, Oregon. Um, family and employee owned uh, 60 IBUs on this sucker, and it's 6.2 by volume. Very nice. Uh, good character. Um, a warm sort of good thing to drink during the winter. They got a picture of a uh, – it's, it's named after a you know ski lift chair when they used to have the little two side-by-side chairs that used to be red. Um, but yep, good stuff. I've had it before, um, but I'll definitely be enjoying it while we're talking about all these performances from the defensive side of the combine that were, uh, I think we could say staggering. Um, (laughs) there was, there was a word for it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so we'll just start with some opening thoughts. Uh, my first one was linebacker speed. Well, what are you drinking before we get into what we're, what we're thinking about the defensive side of the combine? Oh, you, you know me, I still got my Lagavulin 16. I, my tried and true. Yeah. Old faithful. You know, we we just buzz through the offense. We're kind of recording offense, defense at the same time, and I uh, I, I still got my log of bull. And once once I get one in me, it's hard to stop. You know, I I, I don't like to switch to anything else just because it's it's all inferior in my opinion. So, oh man, I've yeah. got a friend that's got a saying for that, and it's uh, two is too many and six is not enough. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Especially when it comes to Lagavulin. I, I'm, I'm right there with you, by the way, linebacker speed. I mean, man. Yeah, 
it's a thing now. You can't run four seven or four eight. You used to be instinctive, you know, and you ran a four seven five or a four seven eight, and you're like, ah, he's one of those heady linebackers. Oh, his, his feet are really good. His side to side's really good. I'm sorry if you run a four seven eight or a four eight five, um, you know, and that's really your speed that comes through on tape. That's not just a bad run for you at the combine your place in the NFL is going to be really limited. The idea of the two down thumper is well and truly gone. And you, all these guys, I just turned to somebody I was watching the combine with. I was like, man, they're all running four, five, four, six. We got some four, four guys thrown in there. We're going to talk about a guy that ran in the four threes as a linebacker. It it was just really common to look down and see, you know, four, five, six, four, six, one, four, six, two. Like that's, that was not common a few years ago for linebackers, and now that is the standard. If you're going to play on passing downs, you got to be able to keep up with crossing routes, and that means you got to be fast. Yeah, the the days of the Reggie Raglins are are definitely over. <laughs> I think yeah. you know they have their place in certain packages, but in terms of like an every down starter that you don't feel like you need to replace, uh, if if like you said, four six is like the baseline at this point, and even that's almost pushing it these days uh anything above four six five is when you really kind of start to draw the line in the sand but luckily for a lot of these linebackers in this class i mean four five seemed like the average so it's yeah, it might so be the, many guys yeah it might be the fastest linebacker class i've i've seen i don't know maybe ever yeah and my next one was big performances from small schools uh kyle duggar we saw at the senior bowl jeremy chin was there as well uh, Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan, Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois, both safeties just blew the athletic testing away. They both did pretty well in the field drills. I actually thought Chin did a little bit better than Duggar, looked a little bit more polished um, from his play speed on the field drills. Um, but in terms of pure athletes and athletic testing, um, these guys performed as well as anybody from Clemson or Texas or Tennessee or or any of the big football factory schools, right? Um, and that's, that just speaks to, you know, it doesn't matter where you play, right? They always say scouts will find you. Well, all the way down to Lenore Ryan, they found Kyle Duggar and he looks like he belongs athletically. Yeah. That, that 40 plus inch vert for Duggar shows up on tape when he's coming downhill. Cause when he triggers, he is out of there. I mean, he hits the hole so freaking hard and fast when he, when he comes downhill, uh, I think as a blitzer. You know, if you're kind of moving him around as like a, a a box safety or a rover, like a dime linebacker type of role, um, which is how some people have thought he, because you know he's 220 pounds, so you could theoretically you play could him do as, it. Yeah, you could do it. Um, just as a as a safety that you really want patrolling around the line of scrimmage, because I don't think he's his hips. I, I felt are, are a little bit tight. But just in terms of just a, a vertical athlete that when they choose to go forward, I mean, they are shot out of a cannon. You have him coming off the edge as like the, a, a fifth rusher on a blitz, or even if you're just trying to get him home free on an overload, try to find a quarterback that's running away from that. Even Lamar would have trouble, somebody that explosive. Um, I think he's definitely going to find his place in the league. Uh, with some defensive coordinator that understands how to use him at that size and explosiveness. I think if you put him at free safety, yeah, he could do it. Uh, but I almost feel like it'd be a waste just because of, of how gifted he is near the line of scrimmage. So, man, he's he's something special. 
Yeah, he feels like a dimebacker to me, which is that, you know, labeling it is almost becoming passe, right? The People are talking about the positionless defense. This is a conversation that's occurring this offseason and certainly through this draft cycle of what what kind of matchup athletes can you put on the field regardless of whether you call them a, a nickel linebacker or a dimebacker or a you know heavy nickel or you know slot safety whatever you want to call these guys they're big enough to you know support against the run to blitz they're fast enough to run with anybody in the short to medium zone uh, long enough to to get their hands up in the passing lanes. And, and Jeremy Chin's that same kind of guy. He's got even more reach um, in terms of length than Duggar does. Looks a little bit, to my for my money, a little bit more fluid in the passing lanes. Could play a little bit deeper, I think, than Duggar can. But at the same time, just as big, 220 and, uh, you know, not quite as explosive, but really fast. And he gets moving downhill. He can definitely stop a running back. He can he can come hard against a tight end to defeat that block. Um, just these guys that have, a, you know, they're height, weight, speed guys that it doesn't really matter what you call them. They're going to be effective in modern defenses. I mean, keep in mind that the size that they play at, especially Duggar, it's the same size that Deion Jones was in college. Like mm-hmm. it's, that's just what it is now, <laughs> you know? So yep. you, you could honestly play both of them at will linebacker day one and they, they wouldn't look out of place. So I'm man, I'm, I'm right there with you. This positionless defense is, uh, I don't want to say it's all the rage. It's just a necessity these days for, for just how the league operates. It, it really is a necessity. All all these matchup options on offense, you need matchup guys that that can that can handle that. And Duggar and Chin are certainly qualifying. Um, I, I'll say my first opening thought: uh, Nickelbacks everywhere, all over the place. I think there's there's more good Nickelbacks in this class than boundary corners. To be perfectly honest, Darnay Holmes, Anton Winfield Jr., uh, Kayvon Wallace, who. I don't think Wallace is the best ball skills, but just in terms of feet and explosiveness, like he'll break up the pass. He just might not pick it off. Um, Elohi Gilman, who again, he's more in the mold of like the hybrid safety, like a, a like a nickel safety. If you're running mm-hmm. like a three safety nickel, super tough against the run. Um, I think like Sorensen is like not a bad comp for him. He might be a little bit more twitched up than Sorensen, but. In terms yep. of just overall toughness and role, and you can put them on special teams, all all the special teams. Um, there, there's just there's there's nickels all over the place that can fit in any system in this class, and I I I don't remember the last time I saw this many nickels. Yeah, Brett, I'm I'm hurt. I gotta say, I'm wounded. What I forgot talk- somebody talking about nickelbacks, and you didn't you didn't talk about my guy, Dane. Yeah. Oh, Dane Jackson. <laughs> yep. Dane Jackson out of Pittsburgh. Um, I, I love Dane Jackson. There's a little bit of a, we have a little bit of a conundrum about his size because he measured in small at the senior bowl and big at the combine. So that's not, why I don't know if he's a nickel, because if we go yeah. by combine measurements, I mean, that's the boundary corner. Yeah. He looks like a boundary <laughs> corner. He played boundary corner in Pittsburgh and, and did it pretty well. But definitely if his measurements from the senior bowl are accurate, he he's going to be a nickel. He measured in, he was the lightest player at the senior bowl. He measured in 180, which was less than even the punters there. And, and you're not going to play a guy that's truly 180 at the boundary. Um, when you're under six foot, and he again measured under six foot. I think he's 5'11", 180. 
and just a little bit too slight. But I love Dane's game, super aggressive. We, we talked about him some in the Senior Bowl recap, but uh, I'm with you because as a Bears fan, Bears need an outside corner with Prince moving on. And there's uh, there's fewer uh, to choose from. Not none, but it definitely drops by, oh, I'd say it's probably, it's not 50-50. I'd say it's almost 60-40 to the nickel side or the or the smaller side. And, and when you're really looking at those guys who are sort of, I would say, 5'11 or taller and maybe 185 in the case of like Cam Dantzler, but really 190 or bigger, uh, it really does limit your options. You're looking at about 40% of the overall cornerbacks and probably you only want about, you know, 60% of those. So the number goes down pretty quickly. Uh, but the nickelbacks, boy, if you're in the market for one, um, the second guy out of Auburn uh, looks to be a, a real sleeper there. Uh, there's so many of these powered up safeties. I'm thinking of Antoine Brooks out of Maryland. That guy plays around the line. And again, you could call him a, a little powered up box safety. You could call him a heavy nickel. Um, reminds me a little bit of the way Ugo Amadi played really sudden against the run coming out of the slot. Uh, very aggressive against those short flat zone routes. Um, just a ton of athletes all over the place that can play in that short outside zone forwards or backwards. And, and it's, it's fun to watch them. They, they showed out at the combine. And you know, what was interesting. All, all those, you know, sub five eleven, you know, five, anywhere between like five, seven to five, nine, uh, DBs, every single one of them gets asked the same question at the combine of who do you pattern your game after? They all gave the same damn answer. Tyron well, Matthew, it's, every it's the single say, one, right? Yep, Jared <laughs> Matthew for sure. This is the guy that kept coming up over and over again because he really he's somebody that the league, you know, I don't want to say took a chance on, but uh, I would say drafted and didn't fully understand. He came in and did all the things that he did at LSU and has continued to grow and do them better. And uh, you know, he's a leader. Uh, he was the missing piece for Kansas City this year on the defense, really the sort of glue that held them together, again, as a sort of positionless defender, a guy that plays in the slot, a guy that plays safety, a guy that plays straight up corner, um, has the skill to do all those things. And we look at people like that. Minka was a little bit like that, different size, different shape, but same kind of role coming out of Alabama. They were like, well, is he a is he a nickel? Is he an outside corner? Is he a safety? He's done all those things. Well, he's he's all those things and goes to Pittsburgh, really turns them into a top 10 defense almost immediately. So this is the kind of defender, again, back to that matchup question that you need uh, in the back end. And, you know, in front of them, you could use some some linebackers or some heavy safeties, whatever you want to call them. But and then you go all the way forward to the front line. You get the big guys, and uh, the speed bug has not uh, avoided them. It's bitten them as well. We looked at Neville Gallimore, one of my favorites out of Oklahoma, ran a four seven nine at three oh five. Yep, he's a yep. freak. And Justin Matabuike out of Texas A and M ran a four eight three, and he too is right up around three hundred pounds. Um, heavy end. He's a you know you could say he's a three. You could say he's a five. Um, just depends on which defense you're playing. And, and, you know, I could see him playing very well in like a Seattle system where they need that heavy end and, you know, guys running a four, eight, three used to be, if that guy ran like a five, two, you were fine with it. 
because he's playing in a short zone as long as he was pretty quick and powerful. Now, you know, the play extends. They have to go chase somebody to the sideline. They're running 4-8-3. If they take a good angle, that's tough to get around, especially at their size. So even the big guys have been bitten by the speed bug. Yeah, Gallimore is is one of my favorites. I don't think he's going to be any lower than DT three in my final rankings. I I just every every defensive tackle I watch, other than obviously Kinlaw and Brown, you know the, the top two easy ones in this class. Um, every single one I watch, I, I'm comparing to Gallimore, and I just I like him better than everybody. I mean, that's nothing against um, the TCU kid uh, Ross uh, God, Blaylock. Bla- yeah, Blacklock. Black nothing line. against him, nothing against, you know, Jordan Elliott. It's just Gallimore, the, the twitch jumps off the screen. Every yeah, single... he had a very schizophrenic combine, though. Did you see his spider graph from the combine? Oh, yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, but... it's super, <laughs> super deep in the 40. Obviously, he ran like a, for his size, it was like the 85th percentile, but his three cone was terrible. It was in the 20th percentile. His jumps were not great. And that's not what shows up on tape. He, he's no. definitely not a yeah. single asset defender. So I don't know if he just didn't didn't particularly test well with the rest of it or whatever. But what pops off on Gallimore is that absolute splash when he takes off. He can. He's one of those guys that he's not a snap timer, but he can beat the guard off the ball. He can be between the guard and the tackle, uh, you know, at the snap of the ball and and just continue moving with his mass. And at that point, like the play is over. He's, you know, he's in the backfield, forget it. He's 305 pounds and he moves like that. And he plays really hard. He pursues really, really hard. Um, you know, grew up as a basketball player. So he's got great feet, comes under control, has a ton of balance, but just so many physical gifts out of that guy. I'm with you. He's, I float between two and three uh, on DTs because Kinlaw is great. Kinlaw is all about the potential. If he if he unifies all those gifts right now, he's just kind of a big ball of knives coming at you, and that's enough because he's so long and so strong. But boy, Gallimore, it's it's hard to argue with what you see on tape out of him. He's whenever I see him like out of the top seven, or or certainly out of the top ten, I just kind of stop reading those rankings. I'm like, no, nah, there's not eight or nine guys in I this mean, defensive tackle class threw... that are better than Gallimore. In the Texas game, like right off the top, he threw a spin move on the center. It's like how many 300-pounders are throwing a spin move and a good spin move? Yeah, we should we should clarify that it's a good spin move because a lot of guys throw spin moves, but I've noticed, especially this year, but in years past as well, but this year especially, a lot of guys throw half a spin move and end up directly in front of the guy they were trying to spin off of with their back turned to him. <laughs> That's not a spin move. That's half a spin move. It didn't gain you anything. The, the tackle or the guards just kind of looking at you like, yeah, and? Um, <laughs> this is not that spin move. This is the spin swim, I'm already around you, and the center goes, what? How does a guy that big do that to me? And again, at that point, he's closing, right? When he gets through with those feet and that speed, Gallimore is closing. And whether or not he completes the play, whether or not he makes the sack, He's wrecking the pocket. He's flushing people. The play is functionally over. Whatever the quarterback makes out of that mess is just lemonade out of lemons, right? He has he has smashed whatever the offensive coordinator wanted to do, and he does that with regularity. So, yeah, Gallimore is one of my favorites in this defensive tackle class. Yeah, I, th- I think people are going to catch up to him eventually, kind of like, you know, I, I got another guy coming out of Penn State that we'll talk about later in the, in, in the show that 
I think people are finally starting to catch up a little bit. Maybe I, I know that I like him a lot more than other people, but I'm, I'm starting to see his name kind of creep up in lists here, and I feel the same is going to happen to Gallimore. He's going to be one of those quote-unquote late risers. That, yeah, uh, you quote-unquote. Know, <laughs> where it's like, oh, yeah, he came out of nowhere. It's like, well... Maybe not. <laughs> I think he's. I think yeah, he's you got any more time. opening thoughts before we get to our three up, our three I mean, it players was, who stood out? It was a lot of a lot of this. It's just extreme, extreme speed everywhere, especially at linebacker. Um, I do feel like defensive line. If I did have one kind of separate thought from you, I think I think defensive line's a little top heavy. Mm. I think, yep. especially at edge, like defensive tackle has a little bit of depth to it. It's certainly not as deep as we've seen uh, in some past years. Like there's there's good role players, but you know I don't like go down the line and say okay ten year starter ten year starter ten year starter. Like it's not like that kind of class. It's yep. okay, uh, but I do feel like especially at edge, extremely top heavy. Uh, you got Chase Young, you got Gross Matos. You could argue Chase on, but I think that's system dependent. Um, I don't think he's a 4-3 end for sure. I think as a 3-4 rush linebacker, there's some length concerns. There's some power concerns. So I I don't want to say he's Mingo, but I think you have to deploy him correctly because he's not Von Miller either. He's he's got Von's hips. He's got Von's speed, but he doesn't have Von's power. He doesn't have Von's length, which are two critical components to Von's game because that allows him to diversify between speed rushes and power rushes and, you know, all kind of, you know, in terms of just pure technique, like he, he, Vaughn has a lot more tools available to him than Chase on ever has or ever will. Not to say Chase on's a bad player. I think if you put him at four, three, Sam, he's excellent in coverage. Uh, he can run, he plays the run. Like he's more of a, he's a Robin than a Batman. In my opinion, there's not mm. a lot of, there's not a lot of Batmans in this class. I think it's Chase Young. Not at edge. Yeah. Not at edge. There's Chase Young, there's Gross Matos, and I don't know if there's anybody else. So it's it's very top heavy. Yeah. And then you get to the wide middle. And again, there's a lot of players that can play, a lot of players that if they're deployed in the right defense or the right role, um, if they're not asked to do the things that they're really not good at, they could have some really early and, and really impactful success. But it's not that alpha edge that you're just going to roll out there you know that uh, i'll just use the khalil mack or von miller thing where it doesn't matter what you're going to ask them to do you can just let them do it um the the wide middle of this edge class is much more specialized than that their niches are much more narrow yeah like i can see chase on being a pro bowler in the right system i can mm-hmm. see epinesa being a pro bowler in the right system yep. there's two guys that i think could be pro bowlers in any system that's it and, yep. and it's not every cl- there's a lot of deeper edge classes in, in previous years than this one. I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah, I agree um, with that. Uh, I, I will say on the defensive side, uh, three notable players that stood out to me. The first one, we just talked a little bit about him. Gross Matos. He it's not just like, a, oh, I think he's a top 15 pack, t- uh, top 15 pick just because defensive line is thin at edge rusher. I think he's a top 15 pick in most classes regardless of how deep that edge class is because when you look at his tools i mean at 265 you're jumping 34 inches and, and that twitch really shows up on tape to me his length shows up his power shows up 
I think when he was going through the bag drills, he showed how quickly he flips his hips and flattens the angle. He was doing that better than guys that weigh 20 pounds less than him. Um, I think he's a really special uh, edge rusher. I have a monster grade on him. Yes, I understand he's inconsistent, but the flashes are so white hot, and he plays with good effort, too. It's not like he's just overwhelming people with pure talent. Like He's he's using good technique, um, and the flashes are just so white hot that I think if you give him a good defensive line coach that can kind of help him rush a little bit more consistently with a plan and use his gifts better... Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to say he's JPP, but the comparisons to JPP, I don't think are that far off. No, and I think the plan part is really the thing you hit on that probably resonates with me the most. I see a lot of the same things you do. I'm not quite as high on him. I definitely think he's a first round player. I think he's more of a bottom end first round player. Again, fit is going to be so critical as to whether he, you know, super shines and jumps off the page or is just a solid contributor. I think his floor is absolutely solid contributor. Uh, but it's that plan piece. How can you unify and vary and, and use changeups to mix in all these gifts to, to sort of maximize them and keep tackles off balance. Once he kind of learns that it's the difference between a thrower and a pitcher, right? Yeah. He's right now he's a thrower. He can throw his gifts at you. He can, he can vary a rush, start with speed and turn it into power. Not very many guys in this class can do that. He's got length for sure. Every once in a while, uh, like you said, he he does all three things in concert, and you go, whoa, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. You know, he just dipped and ripped in the same motion and was under and around that guy and with length almost on the quarterback, like a step and a half away from the court. You're just like, oh, that, whoa, that happened fast. And so he's got all those things. It's just let's get a plan together. Let's get that inside counter consistently you know, find a good one or two so that you really can alter your sort of pitch count, your get off, your release, and, and just keep people guessing. If he can do that, he's he's going to crush. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Ito. You're, you're higher on him than I am, but uh, I'm not far behind. I'm, I'm higher on him because I, uh, I it, it's really, it's, it, again, it depends on the on the team, but I'm drafting him if I trust my defensive line coach. Yes, uh, that's that's really, you know, if I have like a Bill Kolar who is like just an amazing defensive line coach, Denver's not going to take him. But like if I have that kind of coach where it's like, hey, I'm just going to give him the tools and he'll figure yeah. it out. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm all over him. Uh, second yeah, one, I could, I could see him being really successful in like Philly um, or under or, Marinelli in, in Vegas, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, it's oh God having Calais Campbell as a mentor with him would be yep. amazing. I, yeah. I can't so imagine a bunch a of fits mentor. for that guy. Yeah. There's, there's talent, fits. There's fits. It's just good or better with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, my second one, again, we, we already talked about him, Neville Gallimore. I think he just, he, he, he popped, um, especially with the 40 and I don't care necessarily what the agility drills were just because when you watch him on tape, the agility stands out. And uh, it's another. It's like when people made a big deal about uh, DK Metcalf's three cone. It's like I know what the three cone said, and I know what the tape said, and they're two different things. <laughs> so this is one of those players where it's like I'm almost ignoring what the results were in that drill just because I I know what my eyes told me. And yeah. when I'm trying, I'm really trying to 
get film for a Denzel Mims episode on YouTube, and I have to stop every five minutes so that I can gawk at Gallimore destroying Baylor's offensive line. <laughs> I know what my eyes saw. I, I'm ignoring the three yeah. cone on that one. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And then uh, my, my third one is somebody who we talked to down at the Senior Bowl, who another one of those guys where it might depend on system fit, but man, you put Zach Bond in the right defense where he's got the freedom to rush. Uh, he's playing off ball. He's covering. He's chasing the run from the backside because he's got a lot of speed. I, I don't, I don't want to say that he's like Kyle Van Noy, but better. But the skill set is pretty much identical. Yeah, I think Zach Bond is a guy in this class where the fit actually matters less because the balance in his tools strength, uh, balance, his versatility, his ability to rush uh, with a plan, use his hands, the ability to drop into coverage, be liquid with his hips in the short zone, smother a guy like a tight end inside of five yards. He's just extremely versatile. He reminds me of a guy like Leonard Floyd, not in physical dimension, but in versatility of he can set That's the edge. That's a good comp. I like yeah, that. he can set the edge. He can rush. Um, he's not going to be a 10 sack threat most likely, but he can absolutely blitz. Uh, he can rush just straight rush, but he can blitz. He can clean it up. He can chase things down from the backside. He can fill a gap. Uh, Bond is just a very, very versatile defender. I love the variety in his game and the sort of, um, he's just an equal opportunity guy, right? He can do any one of those things, do it well and end up making an impact play going forwards or going backwards. And there's not many guys who really do that. We were just talking about the edge class, the sort of pure edge class. And there's a lot of guys that have some potential going forward. There are not a lot of guys in that class that look anything other than uncomfortable going backwards. Uh, let me ask you this, a little bit of a pop quiz here. Sure. Because they're, they're similar players. One of them might be a little bit more athletic than the other. Uh, do you see Bond is better than Uche or Uche is better than Bond? Mm. I see. I see them as better at different things. Um, Uche has more more gas, right? Uche yeah. is a gas player, right? He's got more pop, more immediate get off, more zip, whatever you want to call it, burn. When he goes, he looks like he got shot out of a cannon. He is a speed rusher, right? He reminds me a little bit of a Shane Ray in terms of that speed pops going forward. Now Uche is better going backwards. Uh, or playing in quote unquote in space than Ray ever was, but he's not as good as Bond, right? So Bond's pretty good going forward. Doesn't quite have that high high that Uche has out of a pure speed rush, but I think he's more versatile. And if you ask me who I wanted to fill on a clean gap on a run fit, I'm going with Bond. Yeah, I just I remember seeing some snaps where Uche dropped as like the mic in Tampa too. As an edge, yeah, player. he can cover. I mean, he got back there so fast. I mean, he wasn't. He was what three steps behind KJ Hamler, and we're, yeah, and, that which play is... where he comes up from behind Hamler and like knocks the ball away as he's trying to secure the catch. He wasn't there at the catch point, but he came through and actually impacted the play. It's about twenty five yards downfield, and they're like, "That's Josh Uche, the edge rusher," and that's that's just staggering. There's not 
that many players that can make a play like that. I'm reminded of like Miles Garrett being downfield defending the Texas A&M or uh, defending uh, the receiver deep downfield. I think it was Clemson, but I could be wrong. Um, Just keep in mind, yeah. Hamler runs four two seven. Yeah, no, I, it's yeah. He's got he's got more pure speed, but I think Bond's game is um, Bond's not slow, right? He had a good no, 40, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he's a little, I don't say looser because Uche definitely looks loose, but um, I just think he's a little more controlled in his in his short zone stuff. But it's a really good question because I wouldn't necessarily think of putting both of those guys in the same bucket. Uh, but there you go. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, who would you say are your kind of three big names that, that really jumped out to you uh, at the Combine? Yeah, I went chalk, and I, I don't think chalk is all that much fun, but it, it we would be doing Isaiah Simmons a disservice if we didn't oh, mention yeah. him. He, Freak show. he crushed it. We said before the Combine they might rename the Combine the Isaiah Simmons show, uh, you know, and there's no reason not to. He crushed every category. Here's a guy with great length. Was he six four, six five? Uh, you know, two thirty nine. I think he ran a four three nine. Right? They put him <laughs> on a simulcam against. You know, normally you'd put him against like who's who's the fastest like linebacker you can think of, right? No, they don't put him against linebackers. They put him against Julio Jones, AJ Green, and another receiver, Odell Beckham. Yeah, and he whoops <laughs> all of them. He killed right? him by a good, you know, just about a tenth. Like, wait, linebacker, 239, smokes Julio Jones in the 40. I mean, that's the lead. That That's just crazy. And and it's not just that he's a workout warrior. When we watch tape, and, and we've got an episode coming out on what to do with the Isaiah Simmons problem, right? How do you, how do you deploy this guy? So we'll talk about this guy a lot more. But on tape, know that, all these gifts show up, the burst, uh, the click and close. That's why people talk about playing him at safety or in the back end is because he shows skills like a defensive back, but he's 239. And when he comes to shut down like the short zone screen, he hammers that guy. He's a linebacker. So everybody says, what is he? And the answer is he's not. He's whatever he's you want him to be. Yeah, he's the poster boy for positionless defense. He played more than 150 snaps in five positions in Clemson's defense. He played free safety, strong safety, nickel, outside corner, and then linebacker. There just aren't that many guys on the planet that could do that. And Simmons does it and does it well. So not talking about him would be unfair. Lots of other people have talked about him, so we won't talk about him a lot more. Um the other one that's, you know, top of the charts is Jeffrey Akuda, top corner in the draft. Again, we talked in the in the offensive version of this combine recap about alphas being alphas, right? About CeeDee Lamb coming in and putting his foot down and saying, Nope, I'm I'm right where I should be at the top of the receiver rankings. Jeff Akuda did the same thing. And he, the, the thing I loved about Akuda's performance is he did it from the podium at interviews all the way onto the field, right? Oh, man. You're staring yeah. daggers at that reporter. <laughs> so a reporter says, so you get a little sloppy sometimes. Oh, uh, what do you want to do that? And Akuda looks right at him and says, sloppy how? He said, well, you know, like uh, penalties and stuff. He said, I had zero pass interference penalties. I had zero holding penalties. You might want to cut the tape on that again. You probably see something else. Dude, I was, like, I, I wasn't even in the room and I wilted. Cut <laughs> that guy. Right. He just flat cut him. Oh. And you know, then he goes out on the field and he does the same thing. Like his flip hip drill 
just pistons his feet, doesn't even look like he's moving, turns around, just chop, 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 chop. He's going as fast as anybody. Catches the ball super smoothly. Um, ended up banging his head, going back, catching a deep fade ball. Shut it down after that, but still came back and did the jumps and jumped ridiculously. I think it was 41 and like 122 or something. Like just put his stamp down. That's what competitors do. That's what alpha dogs do. They say, I'm the guy and nobody's moving me off my spot. And that's why you want that guy lined up on your number one every week for the next eight or 10 years. Like Akuda earned it. So although he's a very popular name, lots of people have heard him, he put on a show from beginning to end, and it's worth talking about. Mentality-wise, oh, I just yeah, want to no, chime in on he's, him. He's a dog. Mentality-wise, he reminds me a lot of Marcus Peters, where like he just he, oh God, he, fe- yeah. he feels like he's just constantly giving you the crazy eyes. Like he's just <laughs> he's always on. He's you know he's got that Russell Westbrook like if you dare challenge me, I will end you type mentality, which is what you need as a number one corner. Like if you go up against DeAndre Hopkins one-on-one outside where everything's just a moving boxing match, you need a guy who's tough and competitive. is not going to back down because Nuke surely won't, you know, Julio's going to try to end your life out there. You need a guy who's, who's mentally tough enough to survive. Uh, And, and Akuda just oozes confidence because he knows he's good. He knows he's going to be an all pro. Uh, and I, and I love that he carries himself that way. I, yeah, he ain't getting past three. <laughs> no, he, he shouldn't. He, he just smoked. It's at a premium position and he just, he hasn't shown anything, but I'm the top guy, you know, don't bother going anywhere else. Um, so that was fun. Um, it's always fun to see these guys really assert themselves and just in my mind, back it up. And he backed it up in every possible way. And the last guy's a guy that I've been pretty high on, but he's been a little bit quieter in the draft press. Not quiet, but quieter. Um, and he really, in my mind, pushed himself right up into the top conversation. That's Anton Winfield Jr. Like uh, anybody that got had the pleasure of watching his dad play knows that he was a tremendous, tremendous corner for Vikings and the Bills. Played with very physical edge, despite being slightly undersized like his son. Um, but Winfield played great for Minnesota, um, had an injury, but came back very strongly, was a leader of their defense, um, played the ball very well in the deep third, has some numbers uh, in his testing repertoire and his production stats that are very close to a guy named Earl Thomas. Now, I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying Winfield's Earl Thomas. It's dangerous but words. <laughs> he's close, right? I mean, he ran 4-4. Four, even- four. To even be in the conversation, right? That guy can run your deep third. Can he do it as well as Earl Thomas? No, Earl Thomas is, you know, future Hall of Famer and one of the best ever uh, at running the deep third solo. Uh, but Winfield could do that, and he showed it at the combine. He looked smooth in the drills. He looked like he absolutely knew what was going on. Um, I think it was Dion said uh, on the the combine coverage. You know, you know, you know what you can't have in this league. You can't have a dumb safety. <laughs> if you have a dumb safety, you're done, right? You're just – it's over, right? And and he was broadcasting with uh, Jamal Adams. And Jamal was like, you're right, man. You're right. Like you, you can't have a dumb safety. Like Winfield looked sharp. He knew what he was doing. He looked very good doing it. He's a physical specimen. Yes, he's short, but he is absolutely stacked for his size. 
ran very well, moved very well, just looked like he belonged. So if you can get by the medical concerns, if your staff checks off on him and says, yeah, he's good to go, that guy, you know, will he go in the first? I don't know. Should he go in the first? Yeah, he should. I I'm 100% agree. He's a first round talent. Uh, it just depends on if people can get over the size or not. Mm-hmm. I tend to just lean towards: is he a good football player? I mean, yeah, there's, he's a tremendous. There, just in terms of pure football players, mm-hmm. are there 32 better ones in this class? I don't think so. I doubt it. And, you know, I know he wants to play free safety, but just because of his instincts and his ability to close so quickly, his physicality as a tackler, I want him in the line, down by the line of scrimmage. I don't care if he's playing nickel. Um, I don't care if he's playing, like, a true strong safety. Like, I, I don't care, again, what the position's called. Put him near the line of scrimmage. Put him near the ball where he can affect it. You know, I it's same same argument we have with Isaiah Simmons and Derwin James. Like, for a guy with that much ball production – don't don't move him away from the ball. There's there's certain players where you know that they're going to be best at free safety, like Earl Thomas, like Eddie Jackson, and there's certain players that you know can do anything. I think he's a guy that can do anything, so I, I would rather him be as close to the ball as humanly possible in the mold of Tyron Matthew, who he cites as kind of the, his his icon other than his dad is Tyron Matthew. He plays sure. just like him. Use him like that. You know, the, the Chiefs use Tyron all over the place, but they put him down in the line of scrimmage so that he can do Tyron things. That's how <laughs> I would use Winfield. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think he can have that kind of production. I think he can have that kind of impact, um, if not right away, pretty quickly, um, even though uh, those are notoriously difficult positions to pick up, right? Corners talk about the difference when they move from corner to safety and how much more mentally complicated it is. And same thing with corners moving from boundary corner to nickel. Now you've got two-way goes on every play. I, I think he can handle it mentally as well. So there's going to be an adjustment period. There always is moving from college to the pros. But I think a player like Winfield can handle it. So those are my three standouts. It's it's probably nobody you haven't heard of. I always like to look for the sort of lesser-known players. But Akuta, Simmons, and Winfield all had tremendous, tremendous combines. Yeah, Um before we kind of get out of here, uh, we, we have a little three-for-the-road type thing. Just, again, similar thing with offense. Who's somebody that either you haven't watched yet or, you know, maybe one that you you saw something with the combine that makes you think you have to circle back and watch again? Maybe you got something wrong. For me, uh, I've watched one game. I've got three, guy, three of these guys. I've watched one game of Carter Coughlin, and then I saw him at the combine. I was like, okay, i got to do three more games because i got to figure out who the hell this guy is. Uh, he moved so much better than I thought he would. He's he's kind of played multiple positions. I'm not 100% sure what he is because I just assumed that he would be another one of those kind of like Zach Bond, Josh Uche-like off-ball linebackers that you blitz every now and then. But athletically, he tested so much, so much better than I expected that I almost kind of wonder if he's like an actual full-time 3-4 outside linebacker. Um, that can also actually drop and cover and not look totally out of place like like some of them do, looking at you, Whitney Merciless. Um, he's somebody I, I got to do a lot more work on so I can figure him out because, man, he really, really looks so smooth in the combine drills. Um, second, a guy we mentioned before, Justin uh, Matabuike. I, I didn't necessarily see that kind of athleticism on tape. I know he tested incredibly well at the combine, 
So maybe I just I got to watch a couple more games and and see if there's just something I missed. Maybe I just watched the wrong tapes, which happens sometimes. You know, you'll watch two games, try to get a feel of a guy, but they're not his best games, and so your grade is significantly lower than maybe it should be if you watch two different games. So I, he's again, he's a guy I got to do more work on because I I didn't see that level of twitch in the couple games that I watched. Um, and then my last one, I'm slowly working my way through the Auburn defense. Cause there's a million of them coming, you know, <laughs> uh, Daniel Thomas, man, he looked really, really fluid, uh, in, in drills this past weekend. And he's, he was one of the last guys on my list to get to. I think I'm going to move him up a little bit, uh, and, and do him first. Just cause I gotta, I gotta see how he looked on tape like in actual game scenarios. Cause at the very minimum, when he's running around cones, man, he is explosive. Yeah. And I think something you said there's really valuable is people like, Oh, you're changing your grades after the combine. It's like, no, 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 we're not, we're not changing our grades after the combine. The combine might influence you, but what it really does if you're using it correctly is push you back to the tape. Right. And, and there's still a stack of guys to do. We got another couple of months to go here. We got free agency. The landscape's going to change and change again. Uh, that all happens, but what it does, uh, again is pique your interest in a couple of guys. So that you're like, Hey, I got 10 guys on this list at safety. I'm going to put this guy up at number two for my watch list because he's interesting, right? Something caught my eye when I was, when he was at the combine or, or that didn't exactly look like what I thought he was or, or whatever it is, whatever sort of doesn't really jive with either your mental picture, if you've already watched him or, or maybe you've seen some highlights and, and you thought he was something else. Uh, all of a sudden you see, you know, either some more versatility or, or skill or some pop you didn't think you saw. It just moves them up on your list to either recheck or to check out for the first time. Um, so there's lots of work to do on these guys. Um, but Carter Coughlin, going back to him, it's interesting you bring him up because the first time I watched Carter Coughlin was the day after I met you at the Senior Bowl. And uh, we watched the first practice. And um, strangely enough, he was wearing their um, alt helmet. He was wearing the shiny Gophers helmet. And I couldn't quite tell in the sunshine like what oh, was helmet that who was. that was. And I was, yeah, and I was like, <laughs> what? what is who and I finally figured it out. I was like, oh, that's a okay, all right. So I look him up, it's Carter Coughlin, and I was like, huh. All right, I gotta I gotta do some work on that guy. Like he made some impact plays on the first day at the senior role, and I, I got up early the next day. Um and I woke up at probably five forty five, made myself a cup of coffee, and I went right to the tape and I pulled up Carter Coughlin. I did three games of Carter Coughlin, and I was like, Man, I'm gonna watch this guy today because he is, like you said, versatile. He'd lost a little weight for the senior bowl. And I ended up talking to him on the field after the second day of practices. And I went up to him. I said, Hey, you, you look a little bit lighter. Like, you know, what's, what's, what's the deal with that? And he said, no, I, you know, two things he said, I wanted to, I wanted to see if I could maximize my versatility and really going back as much as I go forward. I feel like I'm really good at going forward. Um, but he said he spent the month in between their bowl game, in between their last regular game, the bowl game with the defensive backs coach at his university talking about drops, talking about leverage, talking about pedal, uh, talking about, you know, where to hit guys in press and and really learning how to be a coverage player. And he said, I just love learning. Um you know, I, I figure that's going to round out my game. Uh, and I, I just complimented him and said, whatever. Well, it came out later. Uh, Jim Nagy posted that he had the flu all three days, hadn't eaten, didn't sleep a whole lot, 
um, was losing weight, uh, not just because he wanted to lighten up and be a better pass defender, but because he was puking his guts out, out there competing every day and still making impact plays. Carter Coughlin is wildly underrated, and I came up with a fit for him watching the Combine uh, that I share with you, which is he'd be a great Joe Schobert replacement in Cleveland. 100%. You know, because, again, that's that's who I, I kind of thought okay, he'd be another one of those like transition guys from edge to off ball. But I think it's even more than that. I think it's, I think you do both. I think you, you, you split his time um, because I think he's too good of a rusher to just not have him rush ever. And I think it's, it's not even like, Oh, we'll blitz him every now and then. Like, I think you could literally just walk him up um, and, and run like a five, two with him, let him rush. And then, you know, have him play off ball on early downs. But, you know, if he's putting a lot of effort into also learning how to man cover with how athletic he is, like, he's, he's one of those guys where it's like, okay, here's this here's this athlete that is extremely coachable. Figure it out. We don't know what he yeah, is yet. To, just figure it out. To me, Zach Bond is the, is the highlighted player in this draft that has that mixed skill set. I think if you miss out on Zach Bond, you go for Carter Coffin. And you're going to get you know, 90% of the same guy. He's not quite the rusher going forward that Bond is, but in the back end, he might even be a better player. Um, and that's, that's something. So again, in the right defensive fit, I think Carter Coughlin's great. So my three guys for the road, um, Tanner Muse from Clemson. Where did that come from? So Tanner Muse is the other safety at Clemson. And he comes out at 220 plus pounds, runs a four, four, one. That's a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. And to me, that's my first thought is I watch him go through and he was pretty good. Like he was okay. He was holding his own movement wise for the safeties. But again, it's kind of like the Chase Claypool argument. You take that guy and you take him out of a safety class and you put him in an inside linebacker class and say, okay, this guy's as big as guys like, um, Akeem Davis Gaither, like, you know, he's the same size, uh, maybe even a little bit bigger, a little bit taller. And he knows how to play safety, knows how to play the ball. And he's big enough and definitely fast enough to fill like nickel being the new base. This guy's a base linebacker, right? So I got to go back and see what, what Tanner Muse has for me on tape. Um, I got a pair of, oh, let's just call them edge players because Malcolm Roach was deployed inside at Texas. He showed me a little bit more pop and flexibility than I thought. He's lightening up a little bit. He could be moved out as a sort of, oh, light five or, or possibly four, three DE or, or maybe even edge player if you really liked him there. So I got to go see what Malcolm Roach really is. And then Alex Highsmith from Charlotte is the sort of flip side of that coin for me. Boy, was he athletic in his testing. He moved really well yeah. for a guy his size. And I have no idea who Alex Highsmith is as a player, so I need to I need to dig into him. He's he's elevated on my edge watch list. Willie Gay was a guy that, along with Davion Taylor, I had already on the top of my inside linebacker watch list. Um, both Davion Taylor and Willie Gay ran really well, but Willie Gay also tested sort of completely well. Uh, all the way through the combine looked really explosive in the drills. There's a little bit of background there that I've uh, got to dig into. Apparently he punched his quarterback or allegedly punched his quarterback. Um, so that I can't really speak to, but I want to see what he did on the field. I know he had some limited opportunities there, but I'll dig back into that Mississippi state take, see what I get. And then a guy that caught my eye just on 
Uh, and again, you're going height, weight, speed late in the draft. Big frame, really well-defined, moved pretty well in the safety drills, especially for his size, was Legeria Sneed out of Louisiana Tech. Um, was not on my radar, is definitely deeper in the sort of safety rotation, um, was kind of maybe even at the end of my watch list where I wouldn't have gotten to him uh, before the draft. I'm going to get to him now. That guy has movement skills. He's got size. It's the kind of guy that you take a lottery ticket, sixth or seventh round pick on. You put him on special teams because he looks like he can run and hit. Maybe he learns how to play the ball, comes in as a, as a dime safety, third safety, um, you know, earns himself some playing time, but uh, definitely going to take a look at Legereus Sneed sooner rather than later. I'll say this, Malcolm Roach has Seahawk written all over him. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, him and um, Strobridge from yeah. UNC are the two that I, I think I texted you about that when I was like, man, Jason Strobridge just looks like a Seahawks end, right? He's he's that guy that was a was a five in college. He slimmed down for the Senior Bowl, played edge, made some real sort of disruptive plays at the Senior Bowl, and we're like, who's the guy in the UNC helmet? There's no edge here from UNC. And then we realized it was Strobridge slimmed down a little bit. Looked like he'd actually gained a little bit of weight back, uh, good weight for the combine. And yeah, that, that heavy hitter that the Seahawks like to put on the end of their defensive line and really hold things down. Um, I could absolutely see either one of those guys, Roach or Strobridge being a, a John Schneider pick, uh, come April. And the best part is he's not a first rounder, so they might actually draft him. Ah, yeah. The reality <laughs> of the whole thing, because Schneider will trade out of the first round three times, uh, and then out of the second twice and yeah. end up with a billion picks. And pick Roach and Strobridge. Who knows? Uh, he he loves his swings at the plate. Um, have a lot of respect for John Schneider, being here in the local market. I I follow his work, and he's he's a fascinating guy. But yeah, both of those guys look like fits for the Seahawks system. Yeah, he's one of the best to do it over the last decade. Uh, I'll just say this before we wrap this up. This was a very fun combine. Uh, talent all over the damn place. Some positions obviously much deeper than others, but. Uh, I I have a, a super high amount of confidence that um, this class is going to produce more pro bowlers than uh, than a lot of other classes over the last probably five or six years. Um, I I don't know exactly who they're going to be because a lot of it depends on where they go. But just from a pure talent perspective, this is one of the more talented classes in recent memory, and uh, I'm I'm super excited to see what happens with them. But uh, with that. Again, thank you, everybody, for listening to our, our two-part combine recap. Hope your beer treated you well, EJ. I know my, my Lagavulin certainly treated me well. Uh, we'll be back soon with uh, probably a, a little deeper look at this edge class. I know we really got to dive into the tight ends because people are all over the place on them, and eventually we'll get to your favorite position of running back and, and kind of dig into all the candy that we got to deal with there. Uh, so still a lot more to go we've got a couple months till the draft itself we'll be talking about everybody that we possibly can along the way again thank you for watching thank you for listening see you soon